Swing and a drive. Get up, ball. Get out of here. And gone. And they are the city of champions again. Edmonton Eskimos. Great cup champs. McDavid set up by Drysaddle. Another breakaway. This time, he wins it. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carrius Show. Good morning, Tuesday, September 12th, uh, 16 degrees in the capital region, and uh, nice to have you with us once again on uh, Sports 1440. Uh, Wow, what a game last night in the NFL. Uh, Before we get to that, a lot of people have asked us about programming outside of the hours. We'll be getting more sports programming as we move forward here on Sports 1440. Again, we've been on the air a week. Uh, please be patient with us. Uh, you know, we're still ironing out a few things and we're we're pushing forward and we're building and that's what sports fans want in our city. So uh, again, 16 degrees, a high of 22, some sprinkles maybe in the course of the day, but you know, the weather people, they... I was watch. I've been in the weather business, the TV business, for thirty three years, watching weather people kind of just say whatever they want and make it up and do whatever they say, and especially a week in advance. Yeah, it's you know what are we doing with a you know ten day forecast? Wake up! Uh, all right, uh, let's welcome in the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas, uh, keeping a close eye on that game last night, and you know New York needed that after you know a tough day, nine eleven. Um, and then what happened four plays in for Aaron Rodgers to go down with an Achilles injury. You could just see the whole stadium, MetLife Stadium, deflate. You could feel, you know, and I mean, the injury to Aaron Rodgers isn't good. All early reports say that, you know, he could be done for the year. He's 39 years old. He's at the tail end of his career, obviously. But for them to come back and win the game in the fashion they did, um, I think everybody in New York woke up today feeling a little bit better about themselves. Again, uh, 9-11, such a tough day in New York 22 years later. You saw Aaron Rodgers come out of the tunnel, the last guy with the American flag. And then to see his uh, season cut short in just a, a couple of plays, only uh, through one pass, uh, four plays. And, and uh, I mean, you're seeing the video with the, the Achilles kind of popping. Everyone's looking at that and, and seeing that. But... Um, you were watching the game just like I think uh, everyone, Duke, and you probably felt that little, I don't know, maybe a pit in your stomach because I think everyone wants to see. I mean, the NFL is better when the New York teams are doing well. It's that simple. And everyone wants the Jets to kind of, you know, take it to the next level. They haven't been able to do that. It's almost like they have a quarterback curse, it seems. But, I mean, when you watch that, I mean, you probably had the same feeling as everyone. Yeah, I, I think when you say like, you know, the NFL is a better place where the big market teams are good, whether it be New York or the teams out in L.A. and stuff. I think the NFL is a better place when its best players are on the field regularly. And Fair. Aaron Rodgers certainly qualifies in that. And, and a lot of the excitement and hype around this uh, new Jets team with uh, not only Rodgers, but a couple other of his buddies from Green Bay joining him there with a, a very new look offense. It was it was really tough to see, and it it happened so quickly. It was almost like a nothing type play because it, it was like just a very routine uh, ending ending to the down, 
and, you know, hobbling off on his own power. And then all of a sudden you see this cart come out. And then as the night goes on, more and more reports coming from sidelines. Yeah, well, he's going to be out today and x-rays mm-hmm. negative, but MRI pending and all these things. A lot of um, speculation still, but like you said, all all signs currently pointing towards an Achilles injury, which is one of the most gruesome, I think, that you can suffer in sports and, and certainly not an easy one to come back from regardless of age, let alone at, at 39 years old like Rodgers is right now. So tough to see, um, but it, an exciting finish in the game nonetheless, but a tough, tough start to it for sure. No one knows the exact extent of the injury, but, I mean, J.K. Dobbins had a you know, similar injury on Sunday with the Baltimore Ravens, gone for the year. So if it's anything remotely close, uh, the Aaron Rodgers uh, season is over in New York for sure. Um, Scott Burnside is going to join us at 7.20. Burnside on sports. I mean, this guy's written everywhere. Uh, we'll probably mostly talk hockey, but, I mean, he'll get a feel about what's going on in the U.S. for sure. But that game last night, um, when you saw Zach Wilson come in, everyone, I mean, every Jets fan is just going, oh, my, I mean, what are we doing? Like, what this? How can this happen again? Go through all the quarterbacks for twenty years, and it almost seems like the last quarterback that they had of any ilk and uh, with uh, Gang Green was uh, Joe Namath. It almost seems like I mean, you can go back and back and back and to the guys like Mark Sanchez and I. You know, Vinny Testaverde was a pretty good quarterback too, but I think he got hurt and uh, you know, just on and on and on for the quarterbacks that have gone. Uh, down in in New York but to see the Garrett Wilson catch that kind of brought the stadium back um, to life wasn't a great throw by any means but it was an amazing catch probably one of the best catches we're going to see this year Um, and you know getting back to the Rogers thing Duke it was funny we had John Warren on on, uh, yesterday from uh, Associated Press and then the the funny thing he was thinking about um, he couldn't remember the defensive end on the Bills Floyd for some reason the name escaped him and isn't that the guy that tackled Aaron Rodgers you know crazy that's it's like when he was uh, when he was making he's been making plays all night actually he had a good game Michael Floyd did overall mm-hmm. and every time he, his name was called out on the broadcast I couldn't help but think I was like oh yeah that's exactly who uh, who John the name was slipping his tongue when he was oh, on with us what's the guy's name what's the dude's name yeah. he just kept going but I know both the uh, both teams' defenses I thought played really well, and you and I were just talking before we got yeah. on the mics this morning that overall the game actually was kind of a dud, really. But then just that little bit of excitement at the end with um, the Jets rallying to tie it, and then you know overtime's always good, let alone a, a punt return to win it. It, it kind of gives the game a bit more flair that when you actually look back into it uh, in its com- complete scope and retrospect, it was like actually that game wasn't really good. I mean, tons of turnovers and and not a lot of scoring. Storylines, right? It had all the storylines. So maybe the storylines weren't expanded in the course of the game um, with the play on the field. But when you saw the emotion of 9-11 at the beginning of the game, you know, you saw the the videos and you saw the the lights, uh, you know, coming from, you know, Manhattan. You know, it's across the river, MetLife Stadium. Uh, Then you saw, you know, Rogers going out on the field with the flag. And then you saw... You know, just the whole stadium deflated when he went down. But then that catch, and you know, the other thing on the uh, and, and really a good job on the um, the announcing last night. Uh, the referee, uh, you know, the the guy that handles all the calls. Well, I can't remember the guy that was doing the game last night. Do you remember? Uh, we'll find Gene Steratore. Is Stare- that could uh, be? Yeah. Is that ESPN? Yeah, right off the hop, uh, he goes. Well, there should have been a penalty on that play because it was a leg whip. 
on uh, the um, Xavier Gibson punt return. There was a leg whip about the 25, 30-yard line. Uh, it was a good block. Guy came around and leg whipped him. And then that should have been a call. So probably shouldn't have stayed. Uh, the, the, the touchdown shouldn't have counted. Probably it should have brought it back. Yeah, missed tripping call from what the, the broadcast told us. And, and I agree when you watch it back. Yeah. It's clear as day for sure. But my, my point there is like, is it, does the game just end a couple plays later on a field goal? Because obviously at that point, the game's sudden death regardless. Fair. Or is it end in a little more dramatic fashion with a touchdown? I'm not saying like the refs had that in mind, but I don't think it affected the outcome of the game. I mean, you never know with field goals guys have missed from closer. But I, I'm my point being that like, I don't think it actually ended up impacting the outcome of the game uh, because they they were down within striking distance already when the, the foul occurred. And forgive me like if I'm not uh, understanding the, the, <laughs> if it's a spot foul and just like push them back. Probably back ten. to the 40-yard line. Yeah. So Ballpark. So it, it's, it, it very well might have, but I, I think that the Jets were, were in a good spot there regardless. So Text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. The Stair Farmer chimes in. Not an Aaron Rodgers fan, but that was so... Hard to see. I prefer, just like the Duke said, when the uh, best quarterbacks, best players are playing. It seems like the last few years, a lot of quarterbacks have gone down, injured in the first few weeks of the season. Probably true. That's par for the course in the NFL. Tough league. Uh, I mean, they tried to protect the quarterbacks the last few years with more and more rules. Uh, High hits, low hits, late hits, any kind of hits. Um, Even if they're into the slide already, it seems you can get pegged for you know, surging down, targeting, things like that. Um, but, yeah, it's for sure. Best players got to be in the league. Best teams have to be your best teams, and that's what uh, sports is all about. So we mentioned Scott Burnside off the top, uh, so he'll come on with uh, us at about 7.20. He's been all over the map, uh, Scott Burnside. Uh, so uh, his perspective on the upcoming NHL season, uh, kind of an NHL insider for sure. Uh, at 8 o'clock, Mark Spector, our daily visit with Spec uh, on the mark, energized by Booster Juice. Spec will join us at 8 o'clock, as he does every day, and he joins Jason Greger at 5 o'clock right here on Sports 1440. Our headliner the, headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter is uh, Frank Cervelli. He uh, joins us on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So uh, we're going to get Frank's perspective being, you know, he's a Philadelphia guy, but tri-state area, uh, being close to... New York and seeing the emotions. I think Frank uh, had a few posts on social media yesterday just, again, with 9-11 and how, you know, tough of a day it is for, uh, you know, New Yorkers, Americans. Uh, it just, you know, it brings back a lot of a lot of hard memories for sure. Uh, so Frank will join us at uh, 8.20. We'll have some open text line again, one 401 1440. Uh, if you want to get some in for, we've got a wicked uh, uh, slot coming up from 9 to 11. Every Tuesday, Grant Fuhrer will be our co-host here on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. The Hockey Hall of Famer joins us from Coachella Valley. He does a color commentary for the uh, Coachella Valley Firebirds. Uh, he'll be uh, entering his second season coming up. So, uh, But then we've got a couple teammates, well, actually two teammates and one goaltender that he played against a long, long time. So Charlie Huddy will join us with Grant at 9.20. Uh, there's an old story, Duke, uh, when Charlie Huddy was partnered up with Paul Coffey uh, and Grant Fear was in, in net, and uh, Paul would say to, to Coff, uh, or Paul Coffey would say to Charlie Huddy, uh, uh, Charlie, uh, uh, 
I'll, I'll work the front of the net. I'll take care of the front of the net, and you take care of both corners. And uh, everyone gets a chuckle when they hear that story for sure. Uh, so Charlie Huddy will join us at 920. We'll have some more time with Grant. Talk about what uh, uh, he's doing down south, uh, golfing, uh, the Grant Fear Foundation at 940 and, and things like that. And then at 10 o'clock, Kelly Rudy will guest with us uh, to talk with Grant. And so Kelly and Grant, I think, were teammates in very short time in Los Angeles with the Kings. Not a whole lot of time, maybe, I don't know, maybe a quarter of a season, maybe a little bit more. They'll let us know on that, but it was in the mid-90s. But the two of them basically, uh, you know, Grant's obviously uh, from Spruce Grove, Kelly's from Edmonton. Uh, The two played against each other kind of growing up. Kelly went to Medicine Hat. Um, Grant went to Victoria. Uh, I think their age is maybe one year apart. I'm not 100% sure, but, the, you know, they've had a long relationship and a long, um, um, you know, just a, a good friendship for a long, long time. And so it'll be interesting to hear what they have to say, talking about, you know, kind of the old days and where they are now. And, you know, Kelly's obviously been with, you know, Hockey Night in Canada and Roger Sportsnet with Calgary and, and doing a lot of things broadcasting. And, and, and now Grant's sort of kind of going into that. So it'll be interesting to hear their their comments on that. Uh, we've been talking about the uh, Sports 1440 uh, bike drive with uh, Sports Central. So uh, we will uh, hook up with Janet Tompkins from Sports Central uh, later, you know, maybe about 10, 20, 10, 30, somewhere in there to talk about where the bike drive is. Uh, we want to get as many bikes as we can out to the kids so the uh, technicians can uh, take care of them this winter and the kids can get them in the uh, spring. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. So we've got a jam-packed show. Uh, Duke, did you enjoy the the sense that you were... And you're like a lot of people. You got you got a couple of little bets here and there, and then you got fantasy. Sometimes they all they all don't work out. Sometimes they all do. Sometimes you're splitting. Sometimes you're hedging your bets. So where were you with everything last night? Well, it was well documented yesterday about how terrible all my fantasy teams had performed over the weekend. So I'd pretty much written a couple of those off. Um, so in the only thing I had left on the board was the Jets defense to play last night. Who and we just said it, they played really well. And, and if if you had them in fantasy, you know they actually had a pretty good point output, uh, which I did not anticipate that high. And like I said, I assumed I'd already lost, so I put my my money on the other side of it and had the the Buffalo Bills to cover two and a half points. So I was kind of counteracting myself mm-hmm. and come down to the end of the game it basically boiled down to i could either win my fantasy game or i could win my bet but there was no possible way to win both there was a very real possibility where i could lose both which is just based on my luck in the past and how these things usually work mm-hmm. out for me that's what i expected to happen but i did come away with the fantasy and i think i'll dive into uh that full story uh in its extent and, and break down everything that happened with um myself and connor halley at 11 o'clock at the the fantasy frenzy show yeah. um and we gave a little bit of shout out to the guy that is in my league who got absolutely torched uh, re- <laughs> real bad beat for him in this situation. Yeah. So that's when guys get pounded, that's the best. And uh, you know what? I'll take one here. I, I had some guys on the bench. I shouldn't have, including Brandon. I, you, you mentioned the jets defense. So in some leagues in our league, the jets picked up 25 points. They had uh, three picks, uh, five sacks. So, you know, Josh Allen got taken down a lot. He was pounded last night. Uh, forced fumble. That was the Allen fumble. And Mark Sanchez was kind of talking about the butt fumble, comparing the two last night. Defensive touchdown, if you count that. So they had 25 points. Uh, just uh, to be totally transparent, myself and Jason Greger both lost our initial matches. Both of us put up 
pretty weak numbers. Gregor was 98.65. I was 97.6. Bad start. And my fantasy baseball team suck. I don't know. I got to... I have to have a reevaluation. It's just embarrassing already. So, anyway, text line 1 833 401 1440. Shoot us off a text if you've got something to talk about with uh, Scott Burnside. He's uh, Burnside on hockey, and boy, this guy's run the gamut. He's been everywhere, he's covered everything uh, hockey wise and other things. He's got a book out, uh, it's, it's been out for a while. Uh, interesting book, non hockey related. We're going to talk about that. Scott Burnside will join us right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. Text line open at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. This one comes from the King of Fort Nasty. Uh, morning, KK and Duke. Sure, all the talk about last night was Aaron Rodgers going down, but for me, the highlight was Allen's rookie-like quarterbacking. Very fair. Aimless Hail Marys multiple times. Three picks by Whitehead. Uh, reckless rushing, refusing to slide. I think you saw the coach in the sidelines looking a little frustrated about that. Surprised his coaching staff allows him to get away with it. Uh, thoughts? Yeah, we'll talk about that for sure a little bit later uh, at about 7.40. But right now we're going to bring in Scott Burnside. Burnside on hockey. And man, oh man, it's tough to keep up with this guy with what he's done over his career, whether it be... I don't know, Scott, NHL.com, your athletic, uh, ESPN, Daily Faceoff, uh, you were with the Dallas Stars. What, what else am I missing, Scott? <laughs> well, I was a news guy for a long time, but boy, that's, a, that's another century uh, <laughs> ago. So, but uh, no, you hit, you hit pretty much all the high points, so I, I appreciate that. So Burnside on hockey, what's it all about? Just a you know sort of a, a regular uh, delving into the news of the day and what's ahead and uh, you know, just uh, some stream of consciousness. So it it covers a lot of hockey bases. So uh, uh, it, it's kind of a fun thing to do and uh, and and it's been enjoyable. I've been doing it for almost a year now. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of dovetailed nicely with some of the work I do with some of the teams. I'm actually headed off to uh, St. Paul and uh, spend some time with the Minnesota Wild during their training camp and uh, doing some other uh, content uh, for a bunch of different people. So, yeah, it all it all comes together. Uh, you know, think of a jigsaw puzzle, I guess. So it's, uh, it's kind of fun. Scott Burnside's our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, you did touch on your news background, and we're going to talk a little bit about that with a book you wrote that has some Canadian connections for sure in a little bit. But as a... A news reporter, sports reporter, what kind of drew you to covering hockey? Well, yeah, it's, a, it's interesting. I, I, I suppose that, uh, I, you know, like many people who grew up in, in Canada, I grew up playing, not at a very high level or uh, with much skill, but uh, <laughs> certainly have always followed the game. And I, I was a news guy for a long time, covered the uh, Paul Bernardo case really from the mm-hmm. get-go when I was at the uh, Toronto Sun and Worked with a, a colleague of mine, Alan Cairns, who sadly has passed. But uh, we uh, covered that case and uh, wrote a true crime book uh, about the Bernardo case. And at the end of it, was was really looking for something that was a little bit different. And um, had an opportunity to go back to the Windsor Stars as, uh, as a sports columnist, which is where I began in the news business, oh, about 450 years ago. And um, so that was. You know, that was my first opportunity to, to cover sports. It was something obviously completely different from what I was used to. I ended up, you know, following the Red Wings in, uh, in 97 and 98 and back-to-back Stanley Cup runs and ended up going to the National Post and, and from there to ESPN for 13 years. So, um, you know, sort of a, I feel, you know, 
obviously very fortunate to be able to do what I do for a living and to mm-hmm. cover a sport that, you know, has been part of the, you know, like so many, um, not just Canadians, obviously, but so many people around the world, part of my uh, DNA, I suppose. So I uh, feel a pretty darn lucky to be in the, in the business that I have been in for such a long time. For sure. For sure. Uh, well, we might as well just talk about this book to, before we get to hockey and things like that. So the book's called Deadly Innocence, and you did mention Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. When I, I, when I was growing up in Saskatchewan a long time ago, I was just hypnotized by the Colin Thatcher case, and it was in uh, 1980 uh, to 84, 85. So, I mean, but back then it was so different when you were reading, I would read the Leader Post every day and try to figure out and see what happened. The the day before, obviously it was a a different time, but how did you kind of, how did this book all come together when you were, I guess, I guess a news reporter? Yeah, I mean, it just, again, these kinds of things some, sometimes happen by by chance or by happenstance. And I, I had just moved to Toronto and uh, knew uh, my friend Al Cairns, who was a longtime news writer, uh, and was at the uh, Toronto Sun, and we had worked together in Windsor and um, got an opportunity to uh, come in and work some you know, periodic news shifts and um, it was shortly after Kristen French had been abducted in the spring of 1992, and uh, um, Al and I were tasked with, um, I ended up, one of the first assignments I, I did with the Sun was to talk to Doug and Donna French, um, who were you know, holding out hope that their daughter was going to be able to come home, and then followed the investigation really from that point on, right through um, you know, unfortunately, the discovery of Kristen French's body and then the search for um, a cream-colored Camaro, which never really existed, and on through Bernardo's arrest and, of course, the, the revelations of Carla Homolka's involvement uh, in, the, uh, uh, in the, the murders of uh, Leslie Mahaffey and Kristen French, as well as the... the, um, the, the Deemed a man fodder, but the, the basically the murder of Carla Homolka's younger sister Tammy. So, you know, right through the trial, and um, at some point we were approached by um, publishers. Uh, um, Time Warner Books approached us, and, and Al and I ended up writing one of a number of books on the case. Mm-hmm. And uh, you talk about how how long ago it was. You know, there was a publication ban on the um, when when Carla Homolka. Um, pleaded guilty and, and received a 12-year sentence for her involvement in these crimes. There was a publication ban. There was no real true internet. It was really in its infancy. But, you know, American publications were free to publish any of the details that they were able to um, glean from, you know, court to being in court and, and from, you know, what they picked up while uh, all of the Canadian reporters who were covering the case were hamstrung by the court order and the gag order on on the, on her uh, her plea agreement. So, uh, you know, it, it goes back to a time when when the world was very different in terms of how information was shared, mm-hmm. and um, that cre- you know created a lot of controversy and, and it made life difficult for lots lots of people in terms of you know how they covered it in terms of the, you know what what were the rules and uh, and how were people to you know abide by the rules. When the, there was a real hunger from the public to understand all of the details of what was going on, because the case was so important, you know, in terms of the plea agreement, mm-hmm. there were issues of 
spousal abuse, uh, all kinds of different issues that came, you know, were part of this, uh, you know, uh, it, it may be the, the single most um, notorious or certainly high-profile yeah. trial in Canadian history. Mm, for sure, for sure. Um, so it just shows you, like, not all of us sports reporters are dummies. Like, you, you don't get qualify in that category, but uh, I definitely do. So, uh, And there's... And, and our listeners are going right now, oh, well, let's get to some other stuff, sports-related. But there are other things out there, people, that are not sports-related that are interesting, and this is one of them for sure. But So Scott Burnside's our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440, Burnside on Hockey. Um, so you've had a few articles in the last uh, you know week or 10 days. One of them was seven players to watch in the coming season. Can you kind of expand on that? Yeah, I was just looking at, uh, at at some of the the players that that I'm not I'm sort of was was curious about just what uh, you know what to uh, what to expect from um, different players, not necessarily the, the the most high profile players, but you know, I, I for instance, I was interested in in, in Jacob Chitron and uh, you know having you know followed a hundred Jacob Chitron trade rumors over the last three or four years. You know the fact that he ended up with the Ottawa Senators, and uh, and what kind of impact he will have in a full his first full season with the Senators. It's interesting. I was up, in, uh, I was uh, spending some time in uh, in Ontario the last few days uh, playing golf with some some um, sports writers and some uh, some old college friends from Ottawa. A lot of whom are Senators fans, and there was a lot of lively debate, you know, about where the Senators are at in their evolution. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, the, the passage of time when I first started in sports after leaving news shortly after the Bernardo book came out um, I was calling this in Windsor and DJ Smith was the captain of the Windsor Spitfires well of course DJ Smith now under you know I think fairly significant pressure as the head coach of the Senators uh, new ownership coming into Ottawa uh, what does that mean for GMP or Dorian um, a lot of questions uh, Vladimir Tarasenko coming in um, you know, Eunice or uh, Corpus Allo coming in to be, hopefully, for the Senators, the goaltender who can lead them back to the playoffs. But to me, Jacob Chitron was a really interesting part of that. And you know, one of the other guys I, I think is, you know, fair to say that maybe bearing, you know, among the highest uh, burdens of pressure coming into the season, Jacob Markstrom, uh, just down the road from you in Calgary. Um, that Flames team has been so hard to get your arms around for the last, what, I don't know, 15, 20 years, really. It's a team that never seems to be able to capitalize or make good on its significant promise. Right? Won the division a few years ago and was bounced in the first round by Colorado. Should have been a playoff team last year. Missed the playoffs entirely after a, a, a very busy offseason for former GM Brad Living, who's, of course, now in Toronto. So, But really, Jacob Markstrom you know, struggled mightily last season. There were lots of other issues, but unless he regains his elite form, um, I think it's going to be hard for the Flames to get back in the playoffs. There are a lot of, you know, the sort of, you know, the tides always change in, in all the, the divisions. But, you know, I don't think Seattle's going anywhere. Edmonton is, you know, in my mind, you know, Stanley Cup final or bust, or certainly conference final or bust, given their talent level. Vegas, of course, has been Stanley Cup champions. Um, you know, I'm not sure where Vancouver's going to fit into this, but, you know, Jacob Markstrom really mm-hmm. needs to be back to elite level. 
uh, if the Flames are going to make good on, you know, what is an important season for them with a new head coach and Craig Con- Conroy taking over as the GM there. So, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of pressure on the, uh, the, the, the southern uh, yes. part of the Battle of Alberta. So. Scott Burnside with us on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. If you had eight players to watch and one of the players, the eighth player would be an Edmonton Oiler, and you can't say Connor McDavid, you can't say Leon Dreisaitl, um, and your column and your article would say eight players to watch in the coming season, and that eighth player from the Edmonton Oilers is... Well, that's a great question. Uh, and then it's, it's good. There, there would be a couple. Uh, I'm really I'm curious about Matthias Ekholm, um, who I think is such an important part of you know, you know the makeup of that blue line. And, and given that he'll be there for his first full season, I thought there were some you know ups and downs to his game as the playoffs went along. He's such an important player. He's such a good player on, on really on both sides of the pocket. I think underrated offensively, but a real physical imposing force and an important part of that top four. But you know the guy, you know, and I'm not the first one who's, who's mentioned this or written about it recently. But Connor Brown, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think is an interesting figure for an Edmonton team that you know, listen. There are no givens, and you have to get to the playoffs. I understand all those kinds of things, but I think there's potential for Connor Brown if he can stay healthy after coming back from an ACL tear that cost him really all but I think it was four games last season. Um, he has the potential to be that kind of Nazan Kadri uh, kind of figure. Uh, certainly he a lot of comparisons to, uh, to Zach Hyman in terms of, uh, you know, not just being able to play you know, with sand and play with grit and to be – you know, I hate the cliche, but going into those dirty areas and, and being an effective player on both sides of the pocket, especially in the offensive zone. But he has some good offensive upside. And I think playing with elite players, you know, obviously he played junior hockey at uh, back in the day with mm-hmm. uh, Connor McDavid and Yuri, and who knows whether you can rekindle that kind of chemistry or not. But I think he has the kind of potential to be an important figure, sure, during the regular season but especially in the playoffs, and especially when you consider, you know, at some point you're going to have to go through Vegas, something they couldn't accomplish last year. Vegas plays a big, heavy style. Um, that was a series that completely got away from the Oilers, mm-hmm. a series that was there for the taking, um, and they let it get away from them. And, and I am uh, curious about Connor Brown. You know, coming back off a knee injury like that, you just you never know. But, boy, if he can get back to, you know, the style of play that we know he has been effective at playing in the past, I think his impact in, in Edmonton will be critical, and, and especially next spring. Two, three lapses uh, cost the Oilers uh, in a couple of minutes in that series against the Vegas Golden Knights, who eventually went on to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, Winnipeg Jets announcing just moments ago that Adam Lowry is the new captain of the Jets, as we guessed with Scott Burnside from Burnside on Hockey. What's your take on that, Scott? Yeah, it's interesting that the Jets are one of those teams that it just seems like there are a lot of shoes yet to drop for um, <laughs> for that team. And, and Adam Lowry, I think, is a, is a terrific choice for captain. It's an important role, I think, on a team that has had a lot of unrest in the locker room and a lot of unrest uh, in terms of you know dealing with the media and, frankly, dealing with head coach Rick Bonus and you know having. You know, it's there. It's it's been a rancorous locker room, and it has been mm-hmm. that way for a number of years. There are you know, and, and, and you know, so they are a team 
in the midst of what will be, I think, significant change over the next year. So we know that Blake Wheeler's already gone, bought out of his contract, and now on a, a bargain basement deal with the New York Rangers. Fascinated to see how he makes out there. Um, but, you know, the well-known storyline, you got Mark Scheifele uh, entering his contract year, Nino Niederreiter on his contract year, Brendan Dillon, Dillon DeMello, and, and maybe most importantly, netminder Connor Hellebuck, an elite netminder, you know, Vezina-worthy, of course, and always mm-hmm. in that discussion. Um, where are those players going to fit moving forward? You know, the sense is that, that you know, Mark Scheifele doesn't have a future there. Who knows? Uh, certainly a, a sense that Connor Hellebuck is, is interested in pursuing a future elsewhere. Um, those two important defensemen, you know, what happens to them. So, you know, Kevin Chevaldeoff, the, the longtime, well, the only GM that the Jets have had, has his hands full there. I, I thought he did a nice job with Pierre-Luc Dubois, moving him to Los Angeles in the offseason, another player that didn't want to be in Winnipeg long-term. I thought the return that he got was, was excellent. But, boy, you've got a lot of core pieces entering contract years, and, and the future for them in Winnipeg seems uncertain at best. And this is a team that, boy, you go back to 2018, they go to a Western Conference Final against Vegas in their original year, and it looks like a team that is going to be knocking at the door every year and, and, and really have taken multiple steps backwards. So, you know, Adam Lowry's got his hands full as a captain yeah. of that team, but Kevin Chevaldeoff certainly has his hands full in trying to figure out what, you know, what to do with this roster, not just in the coming months and for this 23-24 season, but what this team is going to look like beyond the, the, the end of the coming season. Yeah, I mean, they could have went with Josh Morrissey as, as a captain, but they figure, I mean, this is a guy that can kind of take control of the locker room in, in Adam Lowry, and, and I mean, he's a leader. His dad was a leader, and, and hopefully he has some of those traits. One last one for you, and I just wanted to touch on the Bill Peters hiring because I know you wrote an article on that. Uh, you know, everyone deserves second chances, but if you're not transparent and not honest about you know, what you are and who you are and what you've done and where you want to be. And you, in your article, it just hit sour notes to you. So can you expand on that and what your thought process was behind that article? Yeah, I, I, to me, it's the, you know, it's a very, whether it's gray area, it's the right word. And you're absolutely right. I mean, there has to be in a world, whether it's in hockey or wherever it is, there has to be a chance to atone for mistakes. You know, to, to the human condition is not a perfect one. So I understand all that. But what Bill Peters did in, in years ago and his treatment of Kim Aliu, uh and, and using uh, the worst racial slurs that you can use and using them multiple times, and then if uh, Kim Aliu's story is, is accurate, then, you know, going out of his way to, you know, try and scuttle uh, a young player's career moving forward, uh, and then never actually reaching out and apologizing directly um, on top of that physical abuse of players at the NHL level, um, all of which, you know, led to his having to step away from his head coaching job in Calgary. There's never been a direct acknowledgement of, uh, uh, you know, of, of apology. There's never been a direct acknowledgement with a come value of, the, of what happened there and, you know, what's disappointing for me is that's disappointing on some levels, and I know Bill Peters rationalized it, saying he mm-hmm. wasn't in a place where he could do it, although he did reach out to a current NHL head coach to try and, you know, sort of bend fences or, you know, be an intermediary in, a, in an apology of sorts. 
Um, but to me, the organization in the Western Hockey League, you know, if you're going to allow this person to come back and coach young boys, and, and to me, the, the role is critical in terms of not what you're teaching them about the game, but what are you teaching them about being a professional professional uh, person? What are you teaching them about being a part of a community and being a responsible uh, adult and a mentor? Well, you know, I think you have to ask some hard questions about, well, whether Bill Peters represents the kind of person. And then for the organization and the league to absolve themselves of any responsibility on their part to reach out to a Kim Aliou to say, hey, we're about to make this hire. You know, what, you know, we want you to be aware of it. Um, maybe mm-hmm. they should have had asked his opinion before they uh, agreed to allow Bill Peters back into this post. But I thought it was a I thought it was a real dereliction of duty on all parts to you know to not acknowledge the victims in this, whether it was Michael Jordan, the defenseman who was physically abused um, by you know, when he was with the Hurricanes, or especially Akeem Aliou, who was subject of racial uh, slurs. Um, it, disappointing that that you know the alleged leaders in the organization in the and the Western Hockey League couldn't find it. Uh, or didn't believe it was important to reach out to these people uh, when they were making a hire that they had to know was going to create a lot of discussion about really important topics. And uh, I just thought the whole thing was really disappointing. Well, very well uh, said, Bill. Very well written. Uh, We appreciate uh, all your insights, Scott, and uh, hopefully we can do it again soon. Yep, call anytime. All right, that's Scott Burnside. Burnside on hockey, and not just hockey. You, I mean, you can tell the guy's smart as a whip. I mean, he's worked everywhere, as we talked about, NHL.com all the way. He was uh, basically the digital content uh, guru and head man for the Dallas Stars and then Daily Faceoff, uh, ESPN. Uh, yeah, he's he's done it all and very uh, well-versed and well-thought-of uh, in the industry for sure. Uh, we'll have uh, some open text line. We'd have it four hours a day, but if we'll talk a little bit more about it. If you got anything to say about what Scott had to say, uh, shoot us a text at uh, 833-401-1440. That's 1-833-401-1440. This is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program, 746, looking for a high of 22 today in the Capital Region. Uh, maybe a few sprinkles here and there. Uh, Blue Jays got pounded last night by the Texas Rangers. Jonah Heim had a grand slam. Chris Bassett just, he wasn't as kind of, he's been dominant in the last few starts. He's pitched quite well. Uh, Evan Carter had a home run, his uh, first big league home run for the Rangers. But now things are tightening up even more so in that American League wildcard race for the Blue Jays. Uh, So the Jays now, uh, luckily, Seattle, after a torrid run, Seattle has kind of gone in the tank a little bit, lost uh, four in a row. Rangers, after going in the tank, are coming on a little bit. But so really three teams vying for the two wildcard spots. The Jays, 80 and 64. They're a half game ahead of Texas, uh, the Rangers with a game in hand, and that series will continue uh, tonight at Rogers. Yeah, it's a four-game set. Seattle lost last night and now would be a half game back of Texas. So it's it's close. It's very close, but... Uh, as we bring in the Duke, did you? Uh, I actually watched the tail end. I was flipping back and forth, obviously, between Monday Night Football and then the Jays, and then it got out of hand, and then I stopped watching. But um, then I, when I went to bed, the Mariners game was 3 3. I think in the ninth inning, they were going to the ninth inning. 
and that thing kind of went took over from there. But uh, were you able to watch a little bit of ball last night, and and just your thoughts on the Jays kind of moving forward here? I mean, their record against teams uh, above five hundred isn't very good. No, like. I, I much like you, I watched the start of the uh, the game there, and then once football uh, the football game got underway, I kind of gave that my full and undivided attention. Um, and even even the start of the game, I was kind of watching it passively, doing some uh, some things around the house and cooking some supper and whatnot. But yeah, the the Jays right now, it, it's been the same story all year long. They just frustrate you to no end, and like you said, they need to do better against good teams. It's it's important to to take advantage of of weakness uh, in your schedule mm-hmm. like they have over the past couple of weeks but now this is kind of like time to show what you got and, and show exactly what you got in the pit of your stomach because if if they I said it yesterday if they if they lose three or four to Texas here then Oof. all of a sudden they're they're in pretty dire straits or, or god forbid they get swept the Angels gave them a little bit of help beating the Mariners the the Athletics uh, they'd played spoiler uh, a little bit over the weekend too and then again beating Houston yesterday too to kind of keep them back at least in the the mix of things don't let them get too far ahead but it's uh, it's it's a tough scene. Uh, it's going to be Ryu versus Scherzer tonight um, from Rogers Center. You got to hope for for a bounce back from Ryu um, mm-hmm. and from the pitching staff as a whole. Like I said, they got like a pretty dinged up yesterday. Bassett certainly didn't have his best stuff, but it, Max Scherzer hasn't been the same guy necessarily. Maybe we've seen in in seasons past, you know, a, a, no. a top caliber guy, but. Yeah you always know that he's got the potential to do it again. So the bats are going to have to be sharp and, and guys taking good at bats, but the the strength of this team all season has been their pitching and defense. So this is the time you need that part of the game to really shine through and help keep, uh, keep your team afloat and your head above water until the sticks can, can get kicked into gear. Yeah. Yesterday I was saying, well, you know, get Dave Dunning tonight for Texas, not exactly, you know, high end of the Rangers rotation, but he threw quite well, actually, last night and uh, picked up his 10th win. Uh, Bassett on the other end, and Bassett, again, he's, he's probably, well, he's been the Jays' second best pitcher uh, behind Gosman. And Bassett's got 14 wins on the year, but he, he only, he gave up five Ernie's over, just over five innings. But uh, he, and he says, he, after the game, he said he wasn't locating and hitting any spots. So one of those nights uh, for, for Bassett. But again, for him, he's got, and then he uh, he actually that balk. I saw that balk, and that hurt the Jays as well. That allowed a run. Garver scored, so I remember that balk, and that wasn't a good uh, sequence for the Jays for sure. Uh, as you mentioned tonight, so it's uh, Ryu and Scherzer. Uh, Jays need to get back on track. Time's running out. We've only got you know just a couple weeks left in the schedule here, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Jays do down the stretch here. When we had uh, Scott Burnside on, he mentioned uh, maybe his eighth player to watch would be Matthias Echo for the Oilers. Um, I mean, he was outstanding when he came over from Nashville, settled down Evan Bouchard on five-on-five play, and allowed Bouchard to gain confidence in the way he played. I just would like to tell a story to our listeners about Matthias Ekholm when I had uh, uh, been lucky enough to do the Easter Seal Celebrity Golf Tournament for 20 years now, and uh, we've raised all close to $2 million for Easter Seals kids with disabilities. So it's a celebrity golf tournament. We have it at the Belvedere every year. And this last year, it's always... it's always tough getting current Oiler players. The Oilers alumni comes out in droves. Double E alumni comes out. We get curlers. We get, uh, you know, people from around town, celebrities, broadcasters, etc. Um, it's tough to get 
current Oilers because at that time of the year, it's July. It was July sixth this year, July fifth. Pardon me. It's always tough to get players that are on the Oilers because they might leave town, they might not be around. Well, Matthias Ekholm wanted to stay in Edmonton for the most part a lot of the summer, so I shot him off a text and said, "Hey, would you be able to play in this tournament? We'd love to have you." And he said, well, you know, my wife is just uh, in the process of uh, uh, giving birth here and having a baby. So let me let me get back to you. So I I, I, I texted him again about two days before the tournament. He goes, well, yeah, you know, I think the baby's coming. It's pretty close. But you know what? I'll come out. So Matthias Ekholm came out, took the time out, came out about, you know, at 730 in the morning. Tee off was at 8 came out, golfed with some guys from Boston Pizza, Stevie Robbins, Kevin Gurr, and a couple other guys from BP. Loved it. Had a great time. Bolted right after, and then I, then his wife uh, gave birth to a baby a couple of days later, a day later. So, I mean, unreal uh, commitment. And he's shown that he wants to be a part of the community and just a first-class guy. And I agree with uh, Scott Burnside. He would be a guy that you would want to – Maybe keep an eye on for the eighth player to watch. Uh, text line open, 1-833-401-1440. 1-833-401-1440. Uh, this one comes in from Shane. Uh, uh, love the new show, guys. As a parent of a kid drafted in the 2023 Prospects draft, what Lethbridge did is very disappointing. The league tells parents they want to develop their kids on and off the ice. This move shows that is just lip service. I am happy my son is not in the Lethbridge organization. I would not want Peters leading my son. That comes from Shane. Boy, and this, I mean, it, it rocked some people here, this, this hiring. There's no question about it. Um, and you heard what Scott Burnside said. Again, transparency. We all deserve second chances. But it's about how you go about them and how, what you do to get the second chance what you do to deserve it, and then how you handle it. And again, if you can be transparent about everything, bring in, talk to Akeem Alu, talk to him. Bring him in, get him, get him to Lethbridge, have a face-to-face, do whatever, go to wherever he is. Talk about it wherever, but you can't kind of just keep pushing it to the side and say, yeah, okay, I'm taking these courses. And I get what Bill Peters is doing. So he's trying to say, I'm taking these courses, I'm taking all of this, yada, yada, yada. And I'm trying to get better myself. But you've got to be able to address that situation. Talk to the people that are involved to push forward. Um, wanted to address that the King of Fort Nasty's text again about uh, the surprise with the, the Bills coaching staff talking about uh, uh, Josh Allen not sliding. Did you see that? The, the, uh, they had a shot of the sidelines, showed coach, a couple other players going, man. Get down because that, and that was right after Aaron Rodgers goes down. So, what did you think of that, Duke? Josh Allen is a guy that I think like the athleticism and the talent is so above above board, like against so many of his peers that sometimes you just have to let athletes be athletic. And I know it's like you know the risk factor of the injury and the turnovers were a huge issue last night and have been for a large portion of his career. But you sometimes have to take the good with the bad on a guy like him and most of the time it's really really good and he has got better at sliding but sometimes yeah you see him go full sail head first dive mm-hmm. when he's still six yards short yeah. of the sticks it, it makes you question it and, and that is where the coaching staff needs to come in and, and help drive that point home a little bit more but at the same time like you need to let Josh Allen be Josh Allen 
that is why he is so electric and and the Bills have been so successful and kind of turned their team around since he's arrived there. You, you can't just like put the put the clips on a guy and expect him to still do the same things with with all of a sudden you're reining him in. Mm-hmm. Texture uh, chimes in at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Do you think Akeem is taking his call as in B- Bill Peters? That comes from Freezer Bag. Yes, I do. I think he takes the call, and uh, I think there's a conversation. And then, but the first step has to be making the call. So how about make the call first, and then we'll see. What happens when you take the call? Uh, Mark Spector's at the top of the hour, on the mark, energized by Booster Juice. We're back with Spec right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. But before we do that, time now for the sports update. And the Duke gives me the old uh, wave. Uh, This sports update is brought to you by First Round. Watch NFL football at First Round Mondays, Thursdays, and Sundays, and you could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here's the Duke. 